And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland, presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. We are here to discuss all things Cubs, and uh, that includes the Cubs once again staving off a series sweep, which they've done now four times this year. They have won the finale when they were about to be swept, including three times in June already, which on the one hand is one of those things where it means that things have gone poorly because you can't stave off a sweep unless you lose the series. But I was looking into it this morning and they are the only contender in the National League that has not been swept in a series this year. Unless you count a two-gamer against Cleveland, which I do not count as like for purposes of a sweep. I feel like that doesn't count. Um, but all the others have been swept and the Cubs have staved it off. So, I mean, that's that's not nothing. You know, you'd rather have it that way than lose the opener and then drop the final two and then you're trying to podcast on a Monday morning all bitter and stuff. Whereas I feel cheery. How about you guys? <laughs> I mean, maybe you can say it's, there's some intangible quality there. I, I'm not willing. I'm not ready to say that. But maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you can. If you want to spin that into a positive, you can say David Ross gets his guys, you know, motivated each day. They can they can flush those well, bad do losses. Do you remember? And, and go out. And do you win remember the reverse finale. of that? Like when the in like 2017, 2018, maybe when the they Cubs couldn't kept finish not being off. able to finish. The yeah. Sweep. Yeah. And like it was like the opposite, and so like, hey, if we were gonna say that was a thing, <laughs> um, in fact, and remember, it was like Sunday games specifically. It was they would a- always lose on Sunday. It was crazy. There was some, I remember it was like a multi-year stretch where they had like a three hundred winning percentage on Sundays. I think if so I'm remembering correctly, never- if I'm remembering correctly, Patrick, you can stop me if I'm wrong on this, but that was part of what we wrote for that season preview like one of like they needed to finish off series or like you know those getaway days against bad teams that was one of the focus points like you've beaten yeah it was like like theo's 10 trap games yeah yeah uh, the kind of you know the kind of tension between joe madden's kind of big picture philosophy and some of theo epstein's frustrations with the clubhouse uh, I mean, in retrospect, some of this sounds, I mean, it sounds really silly, like talking about it out <laughs> loud, but at the time, this is what the players were involved in, what the front office was involved in, what the coaching staff was involved in, and that, you know, maybe the team just wasn't good enough, or, I mean, you look back at that time, what it was, you Darvish was this huge question mark, like, you know, they're kind of some of these young hitters just weren't as good as they thought they were going to be. I mean, there's a lot going on there and maybe it was just kind of, instead of just chalking it up as randomness or teams finding their level, it seemed like the Cubs made it a thing. And that's probably why it sticks out uh, in your mind. 
it's now it's instead of Joe Madden's, you know, two out of three ain't bad. Uh, what and he had another term for it. Meatloaf. Take two of three. Meatloaf. Yeah, he called it a meatloaf, right? Because of the, of course, the eponymous song from Meatloaf, two out of three bad. Uh, whereas this year it's it's one out of three ain't bad, right? Or one <laughs> out of four uh, in the case of the Mets and the Giants series. But so anyway, that that was the win uh, yesterday. <clears throat> the Cubs um, finally scoring some runs, uh, not on home runs. Their first in a week, uh, which is its own uh, issue that harkens back to that same era and period of time we were just talking about. And we'll get into that in a moment. Um, and uh, I, I got to be there for, well, the two losses anyway. So that was not great because they were what 23 to two the Cubs lost those games <laughs> to the Marlins and it was you know fun to be at Wrigley it was also very hot and humid the libations were uh, plentiful my you know next day was, was not not great yes yesterday Sunday you know the Cubs won that's great but I, I was mostly in recovery mode myself that day so I don't know that I would have won a getaway day too many white claws bro uh, so many know, white claws story on Friday night, I was in the bleachers, and some folks who listen may know Crawley, who's he's sort of a, you know, he's just like an Uber fan guy, you know, on Twitter, and I've met him many times. We're very friendly, and some he wasn't at the game, but somehow, so he knew I was in the bleachers. He found a mule to send me this twenty-four ounce cup filled to the brim of white cloth in the bleachers, like some random guy just walks up and Crowley. Like, here you go, and I, I was already. <clears throat> I was already in a good place at that point. And I was like, oh, is that water? Thank you. He's like, it's not water. <laughs> so, yes, is the answer to your question. Lindy. A lot of white, a lot of white claws. That's amazing. <clears throat> I love it. That's, that's but, why uh, Crowley's, okay. you know, I mean, what other team, what other fan is like just known for being a Cubs fan and getting like the first question at Cubs convention, you know, back when Cubs <laughs> convention was a thing, like. The owner of the team and like the presidents of the team like know who he is like because he's standing there up front of the microphone. I mean, shout out to Crawley. I mean, that's why. I mean, that's a genius move right there. Just white clawing you and, in the bleachers when he's not even yeah. there. Yeah, no, it was beautiful. I appreciate it. So, shouts to Crawley. I don't know if he listens, but uh, all right. So let's. Is there anything that you guys wanted to say about the two losses from that series against the Marlins? I mean, it was I, it. <laughs> You know, it was like a, a really nice summation of the issues from this month. You know, you had starting pitching that was disastrous. You had runs scoring only via the home run. Uh, and then, I mean, heck, that game on Saturday was just... That was sloppy. Oh, Lord. Right. Well, we'll get into... we. Why don't we get into part of that actually right now, if you don't mind. So, one of the many issues on Saturday. They had all kinds of drops and stuff. But the Marlins were running wild on the combination of Jake Arrieta and Jose Lobaton. Um, the latter of whom, you know, he hasn't been in the big league since 2018. He was always known as a glove first guy. I, I like clearly the Marlins had picked up on that tandem being very, um, uh, the ability to be aggressive against them. We've known that about Jake Arrieta for a long time. And indeed I was reminded as I'm sure you guys were too of the game against the nationals with Miguel Montero yep. behind the plate when they went nuts on him. And of course, Miggy responds after the game saying, 
well, you know, it would help if our pitcher was, if our pitchers were holding them on at all, which it was not at all unclear what he was saying, uh, and that eventually got him <laughs> bounced from the team. And I joked, ultimate yeah, scapegoat move too, by the way. Yeah, oh, it, was it was the next was. morning. And so, right? they when they Jake's like, "Yeah, Miggy's right. I need to be better at that." Like we talked about spring training. Yeah. I don't, do, I don't do it. And then the next day they DFA'd him, and then I remember we were in Washington and. And we gathered in like a room to to like have Theo via conference call all the like beat writers and Theo explained how like you can't it's very hard for the front office to impact the team in the middle of the season and this is one of the buttons we can push to impact the team he he was saying like these these like you know soft factors and things like that can't be impacted during the season by the front office most of their impact is done during the off season so he was trying to do something. To rejuvenate the team, I don't, I'm not. Did, did that work? What year was that? Seventeen or eighteen? Uh, that was seventeen because I believe that trip they also made their second White House trip in like five or six. Oh months. yes, that was that trip. Oh, Oof. that why they yeah. And then uh, yeah, that was awkward. Yeah, well, you know when the Cubs executive says we're not trying to scape any scapegoat anyone, you know, yeah, kind of what they're <laughs> doing. Well, and in, in fairness. Yes. If I remember can I, also, can I chime in from behind the glass here and say that it's like after that they seemingly whitewashed Montero's insurance run RBI single in Game Seven <laughs> from all highlight packages? You never well. see it. You see Zobrist's double, and then you never see Montero's single that, like in a way, ended up being the winning RBI. Well, okay. See, so that's our producer Michael, and he's completely right. Like everyone, when they remember. What happened in Game Seven? It was Zobers hits the double down the line. Cubs win. You know that's it. When he's right, strictly speaking, it was a subsequent two out single. Because remember, uh, the Cubs had him what uh, loaded with one out for Jason Hayward, and he either struck out or popped out or somehow did not drive in a run. And uh, Miggy hits one oppo through the shift uh, to score what ultimately ended up being now. We could get totally down a wormhole here, Michael, on that. <laughs> now, strictly speaking, what's considered the winning run is the run when you take the lead and never relinquish it. So technically, it's still the Zobers hit was like the one. But you know what the other reason is why you don't see that the, the Miggy thing that much? It's because his Grand Slam. I was going to say. Yes, that year, we still see his Grand is, Slam. Was right? such a big deal. It's like that's his. But um, yes, he did. We did go through a period of about a year where it was like, oh, think Miggy might be a bad guy because what did he say and I don't I don't actually think that mind you but like he said something right after the World Series too right that he uh, was uh he it? was frustrated <laughs> with Joe remember? and the communication yeah like the okay. the communication between he and Joe I think was the issue and and he he felt slighted in a, in a way about his playing time I mean that was a difficult situation for Joe, I'm sure. But I, I, I oh, Wilson Contreras had just come up. And Wilson was, Contreras had come up. Ross is getting a start every you know fifth day with Lester, uh, so his playing time was just you know really mitigated there and didn't didn't really get much time. But the but the Cubs are going to bring him back because they desperately need a uh, backup catcher. No, um. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, where I was going with all that before that was that was a delightful little uh, you know rabbit hole we went down. I think um, so. Obviously, the Marlins ran wild. Uh, Jose Lobaton is not going to hit. We knew that. Um, but if and again, Arietta clearly is not great at holding runners on. He's got a long, slow delivery. It's an issue. But still, that was kind of beyond the pale. 
Um, are the Cubs going to move on to backup catcher number five? And uh, I do wonder if we'll be tracking this very soon. The Tigers just released Wilson Ramos. I don't know if he's getting over his back issue or not. But, <clears throat> I mean, it does feel like the Cubs are in that mode where if anybody becomes available who might be plausible, they're going to have to jump on it because you, Wilson Contreras is already leading catchers and in innings by like a country mile. And that plays reasonably well up through June, but you get in the second half and yeah. guys wear down and like they cannot do that to him well, if they want to be competitive. So not only that, there's a there's a year after year impact of this. I mean, part of remember when Miguel Montero was like a great offensive catcher in Arizona. Part of the reason he broke down and was just became like this veteran, good defensive it, every once in a while provides you some offense type guys because he caught way too much. They leaned on him and the and this grinds catchers down. We're seeing it right now with Wilson. Wilson's not good at on offense right now. He doesn't he's he's putting up some pretty non-competitive at bats at times uh, of late. And and I and I do wonder, I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of it has to do with he's just ground into the like he's being grinded into the ground here with with the playing time issue ross said you know hey, can i pause can i ask you a question on that because yeah. i i was writing something this morning and i had that same issue and you just you just went back and forth is it someone is being grinded into the ground yeah. ground and, into and the if ground. so run, ground run into, into the, the ground, ground? Isn't run into run the ground the, i mean maybe just yeah switch okay up the all right editor usage. mooney that's that's one way <laughs> around it but yeah, well, because I was, I think I was talking about Patrick Wisdom's 15 pitch at bat and I was like, and he really grinded his way through or he ground his way through. Yeah. I, I got really hung up on it. Well, so I, I think know. that one would be grinded. Well, anyways, that would be grinded. I went with grinded, <laughs> but, uh, and I mean, the, the way Ross put it, it doesn't sound like we can count on Austin Romine coming back anytime soon. Not only that, he just, he said, I can't, I can't talk about the back end of the season with them i don't know but you know this isn't it's not like they can be patient and and romine will be back by the end of the month or something like that that's not happening uh and and he also made sure to go out of his way to not put down lobaton and compliment wilson like that that was clear that ross wasn't about to rip a guy but i don't think i think saturday kind of showed like he's it wasn't, I mean, you have to be good at something as a catcher, right? You need to be a good framer. You need to be a good, great game caller. You need to just hit the crap out of the ball, something. There's got to be something you can do really well to justify your playing time. Uh, Jose Lobaton didn't seem like he could catch, like, certain pitches. Like, there were there were times when, like, the ball would just fly by him, and it didn't, and it was like, that's not a ball that should anyone should be having trouble with. Uh, and, and to be fair, like, it... I don't think he's played much in the past couple of years, right? Like how many games has he played? He's just not like he was at the alternate site with them last year, but that's yeah. And that's like, it. this is just, I mean, I, I think it's just where they are right now with backup catcher, but it's a clear need. You need a competent backup pa catcher that doesn't like turn into like, okay, backup catcher is, is playing. That means now we have two dead spots in the lineup with the backup catcher and the pitcher and and he's like it's basically a giveaway game right you can't do that you just it's it's really it's going to cause issues they're going to force ross to want to play Contreras more than he wants to uh this just has a cumulative effect that that can really hurt the team it seems like such a minor thing 
but you just need it's it's not about having a great backup catcher like you want to not notice the backup catcher almost or like you know they randomly like whoa that guy oh victor caratini just hit us a game-winning home run that's nice uh you know like rand like you don't want them to they don't need to be great they just need to be really competent and and right now they're not getting that and it and it's it's just like one of those little things that that's causing some issues for the team among the <laughs> many glaring issues that that are staring us in the face I, w- I will give Lobatone credit I remember hearing last year and s- during the uh, alternate training site experience and subsequent to that that he made a really good impression on pitchers like Alzale that like they really appreciated his his guidance and his instruction and that Cubs officials were very high on that aspect of uh, Lobatone's game and his his personality that will probably serve him well in the future. But obviously, it's telling that despite uh, all that and the great impression that he made, that he was what the fifth guy up, Brad. Is that what it was? Like in terms of the depth chart, he was number five, six. Yeah, he was the fourth back, fourth backup, fourth so, backup. Okay, yeah, so fifth. yeah, I mean, I think this is where you know we've talked about the trade deadline a lot, and that it's not always about trying to get Max Scherzer or Roldis Chapman or whatever that I mean historically the Cubs uh, under Theo would almost always get a, an extra catcher whether it was Alex Avila or uh, calling up Wilson to be that third catcher like it's a they've what Renee Rivera was a Cub for a while I'm trying to think it seemed like they always kind of surfaced a guy like that and I think instead of waiting till the end of the July they should probably do it ASAP yeah, and we'll see if again, like I said, Wilson Ramos is essentially a free agent now, and um, you could look at the Tigers' situation and see. I can see why it played out the way it did, beyond maybe that he's just washed. So we'll see what that happens. Also, the Orioles just DFA Chancisco, formerly a, a top prospect who just wasn't hitting this year, and and again. <clears throat> Like the Tigers, their circumstance is such that they were going to become overloaded with young, talented catching, and so be interesting um, if the Cubs can can leap on that because, it, like you said, it's it's really hard to imagine them waiting until end of July to to address this situation. Um, all right, so on the brighter side from this weekend and, and going back further, um, we just keep getting this reiteration that. Not only that the Cubs bullpen overall is just highly effective, but <clears throat> I was struck that um, in each of the games that avoided the sweep, so the 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 win against the Marlins on Sunday and the win against the Mets on Thursday, it was one of those where the Cubs got through six innings or five innings on Sunday with a very small lead, and it was game over. I mean, it's the the way that Ryan Tapera. Andrew Chafin and Craig Kimbrell have been performing going back all the way to the start of May as a unit. That's kind of when it became clear to David Ross that although he had a lot of talented options in his bullpen, those were those were the guys that that he wanted to um, <clears throat> set up there at the end. Because as, as much as you want a versatile group in your bullpen and you need to be nimble as a manager, every manager also just loves the idea of having it set up where it's like, my starter gives me six and then boom, boom, boom. I go seven, eight, nine to finish things off. And that trio is currently working on a 49.1 scoreless inning streak combined. Just uh, absolute, you know, unbelievable stretch that they've been on. And they, they showed it off again. And, 
you know, I wonder, we've talked about this before, obviously they're going to give up a run at some point. They're going to blow a game at some point. And you'd hope that there's a softness in the reaction to that, given how good they have been. But what I wonder is, um, you know, we head into end of June, into July, and every team is looking for bullpen upgrades, all of them. Do we still think for the Cubs that certainly they're not going to be looking at an impact reliever? It would take a confluence of a number of injuries, uh, needs changing uh, on the roster in ways we wouldn't anticipate. I really don't don't think they will be in that market for a great setup guy. Do we still think they're going to be like they are every year looking for bullpen depth, even though they have trouble making the 40 man roster work as it is? And if not, is there any chance that they look at their own depth and look at needs in the market and say, you know what, maybe we can stay competitive and and just take advantage of the market situation it is and trade away one of their own short-term relievers just just while they compete and maybe pick up a little piece. I, I think we're into that zone of the year, at least, where you can start thinking about that, whether you would actually do it or not. Yeah, I, I mean, I think any of these soft sell ideas that were fun to bandy about a few weeks ago it's they're just really hard to pull off and 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 for them to make sense i also think i mean i guess i i for me the way i look at it i think they need to add depth in every area uh they need the main you know piece the main a starting pitcher that can eat some innings but i don't think it would it would hurt to add to the bullpen i know like you said that there may not be room on the 40 man or whatever they'll figure that out injuries are going to continue to happen pop up things like that are going to make this you know just difficult to get through in general but i think uh, i always think back to something theo said maybe this is when they got joe smith uh and nobody really understood Whoa. it uh but <laughs> Dude, yeah, keep going. You were about to blow my mind because that was what started. I yeah. started thinking about the Joe I Smith. I literally trade. just right, looking up on my baseball on baseball reference. <laughs> Joe Smith. Were you? You yeah. were looking. Up, yeah, oh my god! Because all it, of us it, were thinking it, the it, same right, thing. We were all like, "Why? Is, why this doesn't make any sense, right?" But it's a different look, and and I think we we we'll saw give, this wait, with the Rays. Set, yeah, set that up for people, just because they so, may not they may not have so, immediately gone to the headspace. Yeah. That we so did. I mean, what that that was was that sixteen? Yeah. Yeah. The, was it 16? Yeah. Again? Well, because he yeah. got hurt, so I I don't remember him as part of the. It may have, maybe it, it was. might have been 16 or 17. Okay, whatever year it was, it, I think it, it was, was 16. definitely 16. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and it just okay. didn't make any sense at the time because they had plenty of relievers that traded for Chapman and Montgomery. Uh, it just looked like they had enough, and and uh, I think he was he's a righty, right? So I mean, they had Strope, they had yeah. Rondon, they had plenty of righties that they liked. Uh, and and Joe Smith wasn't doing well, but I think Joe Smith comes at a different angle, and that was one of the things that Theo said. You want different angles from the bullpen. Give the hitters a different look. Get get the guy that's uh, you know over the. You've probably seen it by now because the Rays kind of made it famous. I think it was last postseason, maybe two postseasons ago. Uh, but like that clock image that people have, and and you see the arm angles from both the left and right side. That is that matters. I know maybe. I mean, I think you just need to understand arm slots, different arm slots really impact the hitter Uh, and seeing that from one inning to the next and changing that with a reliever from a starter to a reliever to a different reliever and getting three different looks in three consecutive innings is really hard for an offense to deal with. So, so 
yeah, I could see them doing something like that. Joe Smith always like that. That'll always uh, be something that hits me uh, that Joe Smith trade because it made no sense. Uh, and I know Joe Smith didn't do very well, but he definitely was injured and, and he came back and dominated and unfortunately couldn't make that postseason roster. But but that was that that always makes me think there's never a reason to not go get a reliever, even if they're not doing well. And relievers do that all the time. And the Cubs love taking someone that isn't doing well and saying, you know what, they're not using this pitch enough or you know what? Uh, we see this, whatever, right? And and they've had enough success. I mean, look at who who's leading their bullpen right now. I mean, does Ryan Tapera give up hits anymore? Like, I don't really recall any hits that he gives up. I think it's He's like just like nah. It's nah. like three in the past two months or something like that. It's absolutely insane how how like he comes in and he just completely changed as a pitcher. Like, I he was very shaky in April and the end of last year and. I mean, both of these guys, Chafin and, and Tapera, are just looking great and, and just giving up so little in terms of, of base runners. And then obviously what Kimbrell's doing is, uh, I mean, I, I almost feel like he's, what, did we see this guy like maybe early on in Boston? What, like how many years ago in Boston did he look like this? It's This is a next level that I, I honestly don't know if Cubs fans have seen this type of a reliever for a full season. I can't remember. Like, no, no, not Marmo was too inconsistent. I I don't even know. Like it's, it's been decades. It feels like, well, this, by the way, this statistically, this version of Kimbrell is as good as he was in his peak years in Atlanta when he was a young guy who was just, everyone was like, what the hell is this guy doing? Yeah. That's how good he's been statistically. Yeah. The reason I looked up, I was looking up, Joe Smith and Tommy Hunter just trying to rewind of what the Cubs yeah. had done at previous trade deadlines. And like these guys didn't really fit on the Cubs or make an immediate impact, but they've made a lot of money and pitched a lot of games since they left the Cubs. And that's not like, you know, they're thrown into a situation guy either catches fire or he doesn't. Um, but I do think we've seen Ross and Hadavi, uh and their staff have a pretty good handle um as we've talked about earlier of like how to use guys and how to incorporate them quickly and i think i don't think the idea of trading off their major league roster i don't think it's any of the guys they count on but i don't know it's like dylan maple is a guy that once he's healthy that someone will fall in love with his metrics and you know if the cubs aren't really pushing him in high leverage situations maybe that doesn't hurt that much and then even, you know, down this baseball reference rabbit hole, I mean, the Cubs acquired Dan Heron in 2015, and it's kind of like we just need a back-end guy. And, you know, everyone remembers him when he was so good earlier in his career. So you think, oh, with the Cubs, like he didn't do much. But would you take this right now? He 11 starts, 4-2 and two, with a 4.01 ERA. Like he would be like a number two starter for the Cubs right now. Like, <laughs> And that it cost – nothing uh he knows what he's doing he'll probably have a, you know he could see when the wind was blowing out he knew it would be a long day but just having a guy with know-how and can kind of get through a lineup like the cubs are dying for a guy just like this so i know people some of our commenters some people on twitter you know look at it like you know oh the cubs shouldn't you know sell the farm they shouldn't go all in that would be stupid it's like no there's lots of incremental moves that you can do to get better and protect yourself uh, for the second half of the season. It's not going to 
cost that much. Um, you know, it'll be the money that Crane Kenny says is going to be there. And, you know, just have it like those two Marlins games show just how bad the rotation is. And just the Cubs have had for a team that's in first place. When you look at April and some of this kind of June soon here, a lot of non-competitive outings from their starting pitchers. If you could just get kind of a baseline, you know, league average, slightly below league average starter, like that would be amazing because, I mean, I think the last time I read inside of story from New York, I mean, they're what, like 27, 28, 29 in all of these categories in the league. Like if you could just get a little better than that, it would go a long way for this team because they're so good in other areas. One and quickly, you know it's going to be right. What's that? It's it's going to be John Lester. Just going to be John Lester. I'm just saying. definitely That's, putting that yeah. out there now because. So fans like when Patrick talks about fans commenting and in our Twitter mentions, one of the things I keep hearing is who are they going to give up? Who do they have in their system? How are they going to make any move? What who have they had in their system the past four years? I mean, what I, that's they've managed to pull off deals every summer, and the it's been barren since the since the Quintana trade. They haven't had impact talent in that in that system for a while now. You don't need it, and and the whole issue with this Cubs team for the past few years is they haven't been able to trade their own players because nobody gives up impact talent. So it works now in the Cubs' favor because nobody gives up impact talent. You don't have to give up impact talent, and you're not going after the best of the best. Like Patrick just said, just get someone that can give you five or six innings, and it leads to this dominant bullpen we're talking about. Don't burn them out because you're going four innings every time out. That is that is the whole point right here. Get through this season. Get through the regular season. Win the division. See if you, this bullpen, you can use it in a unique fashion and that you have two, maybe three starters that can give you, you know, six plus in the playoffs. That would be great. Even if it's five, I think you can make it work in the postseason and be creative enough. Ross really seems to know and understand how to like how to handle his bullpen pretty well. He's he I, I know we can we can debate uh, till we're blue in the face about if he pushes guys sometimes or, or doesn't push them back. Whatever you want to say, certain starters. But I, I just think. There, it, it's not going to cost that much. Uh, I mean, what did who did they give up? Uh, like, ask the random fan who they gave up for uh, Cole Hamels or or Nick Castellanos. I mean, those guys impacted the team pretty significantly. You got to rely on your pro scouts and and this coaching staff to make sure that they get maximize these guys, whoever they acquire. But you can inqu- acquire a, a guy that impacts your team significantly at the deadline. And give up very little. It doesn't have to be Max Scherzer or Jose Barrios or any of these big name pitchers that are exciting and would be nice to add. And and someone like Barrios or Herman Marquez, someone that's going to be around for longer, would would be great and pretty ideal for for the long run for this team beyond 2021. But just 2021, there's there's ways to do that without <clears throat> destroying a farm that they're trying to rebuild. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, miscellaneous note that popped to mind as you were saying that and as Mooney was mentioning guys like Tommy Hunter and um, uh, Joe Smith. You know, uh, so those two Cubs acquired for very little they didn't actually impact the team that much that year, but went on to continue to be very good. I was thinking about how, you know, the Cubs acquired Andrew Chafin last year yep. at the deadline for basically nothing. And he did not impact the team really at all injury issues and whatever. And then they were able to retain him. And obviously he's quite good. Um, and I also was thinking about uh, Justin Wilson, who the Cubs acquired. Remember he, he arrived and was historically bad. Who knows what that switch was, but then he was fantastic. They had him the next year and he was fit. He was, Nobody wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt anymore because he, the, he in some done. fans' minds, yeah. he'd already No, there was no bridge. chance. But he yeah. was, yeah, he was great. So clearly, they also have sort of an eye for identifying the right cheap talent. And so, you you know, if there is some secret Jesse sauce Chavez, there, then, right? Oh, yeah, yeah another call, like It's like, fine, go, go ahead. Man, how perfect would he be? Oh, oh, that yeah. era, Jesse Chavez for this team. Oh my God, that's who they need. Well, that actually transitions me very nicely into the last thing that I wanted us to just hit on is that another swing guy type, Alec Mills, uh, obviously got the start yesterday and uh, he was fantastic, both in the results and the performance, in my view, uh, in large part because he has uh, ramped up his reliance on his sinker to an extreme level this year. I mean, you'll recall... Something about Alec Mills that we really liked in previous years was he had four effective pitches. He could work in three different uh, velocity bands, and it was just it was a really great mix. Uh, interesting thing happening with him this year. He has become uh, much more of just like an extreme sinker baller guy. His mix looks a lot more like a Kyle Hendricks or a Zach Davies. Um, albeit with, instead of, uh, that heavy reliance on just the changeup as the secondary, he throws a really nice slider together with his changeup. And obviously everyone knows the slow curve that he does to get over for a strike sometimes, but, uh, he got 70 something percent ground balls yesterday. Just, he was absolutely punishing the bottom of the zone with the sinker and the Marlins were biting. And, um, it got me thinking about how, um, not that you are going to view him as like, okay, finally, the Cubs did add another starting pitcher. It just happened internally when Alec Mills got healthy and they had a need, so they put him in the rotation. But in part, you don't want to sleep on the fact that this is a guy that we did want to see getting starts. You know, we knew it would happen one way or another, and it was reasonable and fair that he ended up the odd man out of the rotation when everybody's healthy. But since everyone's not and he's back, I'm kind of stoked that he's going to get another start at least through this turn much in the same way we have wanted to see the Cubs pick up an innings eater before we get too close to the deadline and they got to make a decision on a bigger trade. It's kind of like, Oh, it's good that they're going to get to see mills a little bit um, for the same reason. No, I think that's a good point that it was easy to forget just because I, I, I'm trying to remember like 
how did his season didn't start so well right this year like he was he came out of the bullpen a couple times and had some rough outings and and I think we just kind of forget that he can be a solid like he does when he's not right he's gonna get knocked around right Uh, I mean it's it's uh, like a lesser Kyle Hendricks version right if if Hendricks isn't right then then it's just gonna be a long day at the park Uh, I think Mills is similar in that sense. So we probably saw him when he was 100% healthy and and was a little bit off. And and now that he's come back, yeah, I I think that that's definitely gone overlooked. And and we can kind of wonder what's going on here. How many innings can you get out of him? Quality starts and, and, and what type of production can he provide? I think if that, that eases that could ease the pressure on the front office a bit. You still w- would like to see them go out and get two starters, right? Don't don't change the uh, the goal here, but it, it also eases the pressure a bit, I believe. And then he can he does look good if it. And uh, you got to say that the defense looks significantly better than it was early on. I, I think that all hinges on Javi, and Javi is back to looking like a special shortstop. It was just. He just not that he wasn't making special plays. There was just something off for, you know, and he wasn't 100 percent. Right. We've talked about this. He wasn't 100 percent healthy. I think he's getting there, even though he says the thumb, you know, he was straight up asked, are you 100 percent healthy? I think that was yesterday. I'm losing track of days. Uh, and and he he's like, I'm not going to say I'm 100 percent. The thumb's still there. It's it's a thing. But it's he's like, I'm not like I'm not saying I'm like 80 or 90 percent. I'm, I'm better than that. I'm close. So that's I think that's really good news. And, and we're pushing on July. These guys are all banged up in some way. Everybody across baseball. So I, I think the combo of Mills, if this is real, if he can continue to like lean on that two seamer and give you five, six innings. And he even said it. he's like, you know, obviously I want to go deep. But with this bullpen, if I can go five or six innings and, and the offense gives me enough, that's the, that works. That's a recipe for success. Now, obviously, you have to lean on others. You have to hope Hendricks can give you six plus every time out. You have to hope that Alzali comes back and, and is and is impactful tonight and beyond. Right. So there's a lot of other factors. But I think I think that's a good point to bring up that Alex Mills is here. He's useful and and he can help this team and kind of be a shot in the arm in the sense like you don't need to trade for that guy. Hey, that he does the same thing that we're, what we're talking about. <laughs> Sorry, Michael, you have to clip that. I was I I should have just. I thought I you were the, the hardest of hard outs. That's why. I, was I, well, I know, and then I know, and you did you did the kind thing. You were like, I'm not going to say anything because the clock. All right, you can leave maybe some of this in for hilarity, Michael. I don't know. Listen, it's the end of the show. We thank you very much for listening to Aunt Waveland. Uh, we love doing this. We love that you listen. I had some very nice people in Chicago telling me that they appreciate the podcast this weekend. That was really cool. Uh, dig that. So thank you. I'm Brett Taylor. Get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadif Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get their stuff at The Athletic. Rate, review, subscribe. Love, Aunt Waveland. Uh, we will talk to you soon. Have a good rest of your week.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.